Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Coffee and Prayer. I'm Pastor Andrew F. Carter, and it is 5.30 a.m. here in Inglewood, California. When you guys tune in, please let me know where you are and what time it is where you're tuning in from. Good morning. This is a worldwide ministry, you guys, people from around the world. Tune in, and we do, uh, I guess you could call it a Bible study. You might want to call it church. Uh, not sure what you want to call it, but just but just don't call me late or, or not present. I want to be here every single day. Today is 131 days in a row that we've decided, right? We've chose. It's been a choice to show up, show out, and to devote time, energy, and effort to knowing the Word of God. Check it out. We've got people all the way from Arkansas. We've got some Aussies in the house all the way from Australia. We've got brothers and sisters in India. Calabasas, Sacramento, Ontario. That's what I'm talking about. We got people right here in my backyard, Los Angeles, uh, New York City, Hilo, Hawaii, San Diego in the house. I absolutely love it. I love to see it. I love to hear it. Um, but we're here for one reason and one reason only. That is for the Word of God. It's for Jesus. We come to this place to gather, to devote our time, energy, and effort to knowing the scripture better. Amen. Look at that. We got Germany in the house. Brother Gonzo's in the house. Uh, Newport, Brother Henry. I love it. I love it. I love it. You guys, what we have been doing uh, over the last four months is doing one chapter of the New Testament, one chapter of the Old Testament. Maybe you're new and uh, you're kind of like, what is this? We have taken it upon ourselves to read the book of Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and now we are smack dab in the middle of Romans, Romans chapter 10 today to be exact. That is our devotion. The way this works is you are reading the scripture on your own, maybe before, maybe during, maybe after, maybe all three. It's up to you. I'm sharing some context, some thoughts, some things that God put on my heart, some things that I believe are very, very applicable. Uh, and you guys may agree or disagree. Some days I'm focused, some days I'm not, but, uh, we just kind of go with the flow of what the Holy Spirit is sharing with us today. And so with that said, Romans chapter 10 is our very uh, is our scripture for the day. If you guys could put Romans chapter 10. Uh, oh, someone asked what happens after we do all the chapters. Yes, I love it. Okay, in each book, once we read all of the chapters, I do a digital altar call, right? We ask people if they want to dedicate their lives to Jesus or if uh, they want to rededicate their lives to the Lord. And so far, I wish that we had a running total, but I think last time it was 10 or 20 people who got saved. Oh, it was like 35, 35 people, I believe, got saved after the book of Acts. It was something like that. I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, pump up the numbers but at the end of each chapter we do a digital altar call and people give their life to Jesus so if you have friends family members people who don't know the Lord and you're just like man they, they, they should hear the Bible they should join this community encourage them to show up if you can't make it live then guess what these are saved they're all saved you can go back and you can literally read the entire gospel with us as we've shown up through all of it it was 35 people who got saved uh, at the very end of Acts, you guys, glory to God. And remember, heaven rejoices over one, over one repentant save, uh, one repentant sinner, one person who puts their, their faith in Jesus. So um, let's jump into it. Romans chapter 10, there we go. Uh, this is good, this is good. And I'll give you guys what we're, we're doing. We'll be reading to, to, from Psalm 33 to 64 today. But right now, Romans chapter 10, man, I, we, we have one of the most famously quoted scriptures. Uh, we've got the essence of the gospel in Romans chapter 10. It starts with Paul addressing him, saying, Brothers and sisters, the thing I want most is for all the Jews to be saved. Right? We, he said in chapter 9 that he would be willing to be cut off from Christ in order for his brothers and sisters to know the Lord. Right? He says, he says in, in chapter 9, I have great sorrow. He's like, I wish I could help my Jewish brothers and sisters. I would even wish that I would be cursed and cut off from Christ if that would help them. And so in chapter 10, he's back at it saying, what I want most is for all the Jews to be saved. That is my prayer to God. Right? He prays to God that his brothers and sisters, his, his Jewish brothers and sisters would be saved, that they would put their faith in Jesus, that the blinders would fall from their eyes. Because again, understand, 
Paul was uh, both a Roman citizen and a Jew, and uh, he was a Pharisee. He was trained as a Pharisee, and so he understands uh, the the Torah. He understands the Old Testament, what they would would read, and he understands how the prophecies pointed to the Messiah. But he also understands how Jesus fulfilled those prophecies, and he was the Son of God. and And he he prays, and he wants his brothers and sisters, his Jewish brothers and sisters, to know this truth that the scales would fall away from their eyes and that they would see that Jesus was the Messiah, is the Messiah. I highlighted this. He says, I can say this about them, right? About his Jewish brothers and sisters. They really try to follow God, but they don't know the right way. Because they did not know the way that God makes people right with him, they tried to make themselves right in their own way, right? By following the law. In Romans, we've been talking about uh, the way to be saved is faith in Jesus Christ. And the law uh, is what the, the Jews were trying to make themselves right by. They weren't putting their faith in Jesus. They were trying to make themselves right by adhering to a set of laws and rules and even man-made traditions. And says, God makes people right with him. They tried to make themselves right in their own way. So they did not accept God's way of making people right. See, in verse 4, it says, Christ ended the law so that everyone who believes in him may be right with God. It's just powerful to think that this is Paul's heart. I don't know about you, but there's people in my life that I wish were saved. That I wish would know the truth. And it's my prayer daily that they receive uh, the, the free gift of salvation, that the blinders would fall off of their eyes, that their hearts would be softened, that they would have ears to hear, eyes uh, to see, that God would get a hold of them. And I don't lose hope, right? We can't put God in a box. We don't know how he operates. He doesn't know the seed or he, he knows the seed. We don't know the seed that's being planted in their lives. We don't know what's going on behind closed doors. We don't know what God is doing and how he's doing it. The people and the pieces of the puzzle that he's putting into place in order to bring these people that we love to a place of repentance. We must continue to stand in the gap. We must continue to encourage. We must continue to uh, you know share the gospel. We don't get weary in our well-doing it says in verse 9 um, it says if you use your mouth to say Jesus is Lord you guys this is gospel listen to this this is good news feel the love feel the the comfort from this scripture if you use your mouth to say Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead you will be saved you will be saved we believe with our hearts, and so we are made right with God, and we use our mouths to say that we believe, and so we are saved. It's gospel, baby. That is good, good news. I get so many people messaging me, and it breaks my heart because they doubt their salvation, right? They'll believe and they'll put trust, but because they don't understand their identity, they don't understand who they are according to the word of God. So they will be saved. They'll say the prayer. They'll believe in their heart. They'll be actively living through the Holy Spirit. And then something happens, right? Life happens. Maybe you guys can relate to this. Maybe somebody passes away or you lose a job or you go through a breakup and then you start to lose that fire. Maybe you stop reading your Bible. Maybe you stop sitting in prayer and stop listening to worship music and you start to fall away from your relationship with God. And then in those moments, you've opened the, the, the gate of opportunity for the enemy to come in and to whisper these sweet lies to you and ask you, are you even saved? Does God even know you? Look at your relationship. You said that you were on fire for Jesus, but you lied. You're not even reading your Bible. You're not even a good Christian. And you start to doubt your faith, right? Doubt starts to creep in. You start to doubt your salvation. You start to question was I really saved? Did I really know God? Was I just putting on a show? You guys, 
when you put your faith in Jesus, it's a one and done deal. Your name has been signed, sealed, and delivered. You have invited the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you. This isn't something that is just ripped out from underneath you because you are not obeying a set of laws, right? We tend to fall right back into that pharisaical mindset and thinking, believing that because we aren't being obedient that God is going to pull our salvation out from underneath us but that couldn't be further from the truth and that stems from us not having a true understanding of our identity once you put your faith in Jesus God no longer sees you as your sin right it says that your sin is as far as from the east as from the west so if my sins here and it goes this way and this way and it keeps going right it keeps going it keeps going and going. It is far as the east is from the west. It says that God takes your sin and throws it into the sea of forgetfulness, right? He is not there with a fishing pole waiting for you to mess up so that he can cast his rod and reel that sin back in to remind you of what you've done. God sees you as the righteousness of Christ. You're no longer a sinner, right? We've talked about this. When when, when you give your life to Christ, your old man, your old nature has has been crucified it dies and you now contain the resurrection power you now are a vessel for the holy spirit that resides in you it's not something that goes away it's not something that disappears you are saved right this is not a license for you to live in sin and this is what romans has been talking about this is not a license for you to just kind of throw caution to the wind i'm saved it doesn't matter then i can just live however i want no we will make mistakes. We will fail. But please don't sit in those failures and those mistakes. Understand that God is a loving father. And when you fall, he's there to pick you up, dust you off, and to set you back on the correct road. Right? But again, I talk about this often. There are consequences for your actions. So again, nobody's forcing us to sin. Nobody's forcing us off track. Nobody's forcing us to listen to temptation and to indulge in that. Nobody's listening. That That's us not tapping into the power of the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. That's not using our resources of accountability, being a part of the body, using our lives to serve, sitting in the presence of God, prayer, scripture, right? That, that There's no excuse. Nobody's forcing us into those things. So God will allow you, because you have free will, to go your own way. But, but understand this, there are consequences for your action. But again, your salvation isn't ripped out from underneath you. He is like the, the father waiting for the prodigal son. You're out there. You've turned your back on God. You're out in the muck and the mire. You've blown your inheritance, right? And the father loves you and he's waiting for you to repent, to turn from your sins and he will welcome you back home with arms wide open. He will put sandals on your feet, a ring on your finger. He'll kill the fatted calf and heaven rejoices when you turn from your sin and return to God. My prayer and the reason why I do this uh, consistently every single day is so that you don't get to that point where you start to question your salvation, where you question your identity, where you backslide and run back to the life that God has delivered you from. Amen. That's why I'm here. Listen, I don't want anything from you. You guys understand that? We had a fire uh, men's group last night. Amazing, amazing. But it, it it comes off like, I know that you guys are bombarded on social media of individuals who want something, right? Like I might be here and I might be drinking a bang energy drink and it's like product placement. You know what I mean? Like I'm here trying to sell you bang energy drinks or I'm trying to sell you some kind of a multi-level marketing scheme. If that's the way that you make money, more power to you. I'm not knocking it, but I don't want anything from you. Do you guys understand that? I'm not here asking for badges. I'm not asking for your financial support. I'm not asking for anything. I don't want anything from you. I'm here because I love you, right? I'm here because I care about you. I'm here because I, I, I truly want to see you guys have a better understanding of the word of God. And I want you to experience the same victory and boldness and authority. And I want you to walk in it because that's how I'm living. 
I'm living in that boldness and authority. And please don't take my words for uh, I, I'm perfect or I figured it out. I struggle. I'm open. I'm honest. I, I have ups and downs just like everybody else. But I show up here daily with the intent, right? My, my goal, my, my mindset is that if I show up, God will meet us in this place and that he's going to provide the word. He's going to provide the wisdom. He's going to provide the strength. He's going to provide the guidance. He's going to provide the inspiration, the motivation, and the tools and techniques that we all need to stay victorious on a day-to-day basis. Hallelujah. So, so when we're reading this scripture, let's kind of put a bow on this. Let's tie it all back around. I'm here on a daily basis because I want you guys to walk in that victory and I want you guys to know whose you are. I want you to remind yourselves of who you are. I want you to have a deeper and better understanding of your identity and who God says that you are. So we, we are saved. It says that you will be saved if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that he was raised from the dead. You will be saved. We are made right with God. We are no longer our sin. Does that make sense? God doesn't see you as this lowly sinner who's struggling in, 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 in wallowing in this pit of muck and, and filth. He sees you as the righteousness of Christ no longer your sin. You are now a saint in his eyes who may struggle with sin, who may make mistakes, who may fall short and miss the mark on a daily basis, but that's not how he sees us. He is now our loving father. There's no more anger. There's no more wrath. Please do not allow the enemy to come in and steal your identity of who you are as a child of God, right? We talked about this last night that when the devil tempted Jesus, the very first thing that he attacked was his identity. He says, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread, right? The question and what he was challenging was Jesus's identity. So many times as followers of Christ, our identity, our children of God, saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that we have been chosen and set aside, that you are a royal priesthood. Please understand that is your identity. That is who you are. Christ was on that cross and he thought that you were to die for. Don't allow your identity to be stolen or challenged by the enemy. So when we fall short and we make a mistake, the first thing that the enemy does is he tries to creep in and attacks your identity. Are you really saved? Because if you were, why would you do that? Right? If Are you really saved? Do you think God's going to forgive you for that? Right? And, and so this adds emphasis and reminds us that we need to have a deeper, better understanding of who we are according to the word of God so that when the enemy comes in to divide and to attack your identity, you understand who you are. Amen. You understand what the word says about you. This is where we find our identity. This is where we find our worth. This is where we find our value, not in other people, not in relationships, right? We don't, we don't have to be validated by our parents or our friend group. We don't have to worry about the opinion of other people. We're not who we are based on our past mistakes or failures. This is where we run to when we start to forget who we truly are. And, and if you don't know who you are, I would encourage you guys to take a very long look. That's a part of why we show up daily is because daily it is revealed to us who we are. If you guys are still worried about Psalm 119, I will get to that. I will get to that. I, I've penned it. And when we get to Psalm 119, we will get it. Right? Somebody says, living the Christian life is boring. Then I, I don't know what life you're living because my life is on fire and far from boring. I live a, a very exciting life. It's exciting. If, if for one minute you think that getting drunk and forgetting what you did the night before is fun, you're lost. If you think spending all of your money on things and materials is going to bring you happiness and joy, you're wrong and, and you're lost. If you think that having sex with multiple people is what is fun, then, then you're lost. There's nothing like being married and having all the sex with my wife. And that's okay to say because I'm a married man. That's fun. 
and that's not boring, right? I love hanging out with my brothers and we're not drinking, we're not smoking, we're not listening to secular music. I remember everything I said and everything I did and we have a blast. We laugh and we have such an amazing time. We don't need drugs, we don't need alcohol, we don't need anything to alter our mood. I'm so hyped up and high on the Holy Spirit that there, there's nothing that compares. And, and this is coming from not somebody who grew up in church. I've done every drug under the sun. I've slept with my fair share of individuals. I've done the sin and what this world calls fun. So I'm coming from a place of I've done that. I've been there. I've done it. I've tried it. I've got all the t-shirts to match. But here I am serving God. And I'm telling you, I've never had more fun following Jesus than ever. I was created with a function and a purpose. God created me for a specific purpose. And there's nothing that compares to living life in the purpose and the function in which you were created. That, my friend, is purpose. That is fun. Flying by the sea to my pants, walking in faith, trusting God every single day. It's a high that I cannot describe and it can't be duplicated. This world tries so hard to duplicate, uh, but everything that it sells you is counterfeit and it won't even come close. So I don't know what kind of Christian life that you're living that you think is boring, but I'm going to tell you right now, it's counterfeit, it's fake, and it ain't real. Nothing compares. Absolutely. And I'll take that to my grave. And, and, and again, this isn't somebody who grew up in the church who never experienced fun according to this world. I was the CEO of fun in this world, or so I thought. And it can't even come close to serving God. I'm having more fun in the 37th year of my life serving God than I had uh, with every single year combined living in this world. You know what I mean? And I've got brothers and sisters and I've been adopted into a family that loves me for who I am. I don't got to fake it. I don't got to be somebody I'm not. I can be real, raw, open, vulnerable. I can get on here and cry. I know that I'm loved. I know that you know we've got jokes. People are roasting me about liking Reese's peanut butter cups when my favorite is really Snickers. And every, you know, it's just like the family and the community that God has adopted me into and created. I don't gotta be counterfeit. I don't gotta pretend to be anybody else. I get up every single morning and I'm just me. You just get me. And I say dumb stuff and I put my foot in my mouth and I, but, but, people, but we love each other. That's fun, man. That's fun. Anyway, moving forward, I believe that we needed to see that comment um, because it couldn't be, I mean, that's a lie from the pit of hell. We don't get drunk with wine, but we're filled with the Spirit, man. Glory to God. Somebody said, if your girl says you like it, then you like it. Oh, can we just talk about that for a second? She got mad. She, I was literally laying on the bed, and she was like, you're a liar. And I'm like, wait a second. What are you talking about? I'm a liar. And I look over, and she's got the Instagram thing, and it's got a big red X. She guessed Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. And she was like, since when have you liked Snickers? And I was like, ever since I was born. Like, I love Snicker bars. And she was like, since I've known you, you've never just gone to the store and bought a Snicker bar. And I was like, you're right, but I've never just gone to the store and bought a Reese's peanut butter cup either. Why? What What are you talking about? And she was like, you love trail mix and it's got to have peanut butter cups in it. And she's like, you put peanut butter on everything. You like peanut butter. So of course you like peanut butter cups more than Snickers. And I go, that's irrational. Why would you say that? That doesn't even make sense. I'm telling you my favorite candy bar is a Snickers. And she's just telling me, she's like, no, it's not. It's not. You've never bought one. And I was like, I get it. Like, I haven't. I haven't bought a Snickers. But if I had a choice and I was buying candy, I would purchase a Snicker bar. Oh, my goodness. She went in and she even answered. And she's like, I, my, my favorite candy bar is that my, my husband's a liar. And he's lying to people about his favorite candy. Oh, my goodness. So I started questioning myself. Well, do I even really like Snicker bars like that? Maybe I do like Reese's Peanut Butter Cups more. I don't know. But no, I do know. You can't steal my identity. You guys can't tell me who I am. I'm not defined by my past decisions and choices. Just because I choose trail mix with peanut butter cups doesn't mean that I can't be a fan of Snickers, right? I refuse to let the enemy come in and try to change who I am. Amen. So moving forward, it says uh, in verse 20, you are only human and human beings have no right to question God. Oh, that's verse, that's chapter nine. I apologize. I got all thrown around. I was like, I don't remember writing that. In verse 11, it says, as the scripture says, anyone who trusts, this is gospel. You guys, let's move forward. Let's go. This is good. This is good. 
As the scripture says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. The scripture says anyone, I highlighted and underlined anyone because there is no difference between those who are Jews and those who are not. The same Lord is the Lord of all and gives many blessings to all who trust in him. As the scripture says, anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. There's two promises here that I want to highlight. It says that anyone okay, who trusts in him will never be disappointed. Now, some of you might be thinking, wow, okay, I put my trust in Jesus but I do feel disappointment. I'm disappointed that that relationship didn't work out. I'm disappointed that, you know, so-and-so passed away. I'm disappointed that, uh, you know, I didn't get the job that I wanted. I'm disappointed that things didn't work out according to the way that I wanted them to be. I'm here to tell you and encourage you that there will be a day when we stand before God and all of his mysteries and the things that have us perplexed and confused will be revealed. And I believe that on that day, there will be no disappointment. We will understand. I believe that God will reveal his plan from the go, that the reason why this happened, that happened, the reason why this was allowed, that this didn't come through or this didn't work out the way that we thought. I believe that on that day, we will see the grand plan, the scheme, all of the pieces of the puzzles put together. And I believe that there will be no disappointment according to the scripture, according to the word. God knows far greater than us. He, he knows around the corner, 10 moves and 10 steps ahead. God is a master architect. And many times we become so self-centered. And I'm not even saying this in a bad way, but it's hard for us not to focus our attention on us, our circumstances, our chaos, our environment, the things that we're dealing with. But we under, we have to understand that the world does not revolve around us and that there's pieces of puzzles that are being put in place uh, around us that don't always line up according to our will, plan, and purpose. But this is where faith comes in. We step in and we trust that God will not disappoint that if it didn't work out the, the way that we wanted it, it must be for the greater good. And if we can remove ourselves from ourselves and understand that the one who's putting the puzzle together, right, we're just very small pieces, he sees the big picture. So it might be a, uh, it might be hard or challenging when you don't get what you want. It might be hard or challenging when things don't work out. That person isn't healed. That person isn't changed. That person isn't saved right here on the spot. But we have to understand that this life is not about us. And the sooner you start to understand that the that you're just a very small piece of a much greater puzzle, you will start to live in more peace and comfort, understanding that the gospel truth is that you will not be disappointed on the very final day. Do you guys understand that? And the other promise is that uh, anyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. So we're, we're promised there will be no disappointment and that we will be saved. And I love and highlight and underline that anyone, anyone, there's no difference between Jews and those who are not. The same Lord is the Lord of all. And he gives many blessings to all who trust in him. It talks about these blessings. And so many of us, we get hung up on this word. We believe that blessings, right? I, we believe that blessings mean money and finances right now. You guys hear me. And, and I'm going to say this one time. I'm going to say it loud for everybody in the back. If you know who Jesus is, you have the greatest blessing ever. And nothing will ever compare to that. Understand that. There's over 3 billion people in this world who have not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people who are dying in their sin without putting their faith in Jesus. The greatest blessing that you can receive is the divine revelation of who Jesus is. The fact that God opened your eyes, opened your ears, softened your heart, and allowed you, right? It is a privilege to know who Jesus is. He gave you uh, the cheat sheet. He gave you a piece of information that there are people who don't even even know that is the greatest blessing if you can put that into perspective right 
if, if you don't get another thing the rest of your life, the fact that you don't have to spend eternity separated from God, which is living in hell, like is in hell, right? The fact that you don't have to experience eternal separation from God is the greatest blessing that you will ever receive. And if that's the only blessing that you receive, you have been blessed beyond measure. That is an immeasurable blessing. So, so when like, can we wrap our mind around that for just a moment? I'm telling you this, if you shift your perspective and your heart posture to understand that the greatest blessing that you will ever receive is the free gift of salvation, right? If that is the only blessing that you receive from putting your faith in Jesus, you are blessed beyond measure because there are people who do not know Jesus. There are people who do not have that revelation quite yet. There are people who do not have a relationship with God because through the death, burial, and resurrection, we understand that the veil was torn and I now have access to God today. I don't have to wait until heaven to sit in his presence. I have access today because the Holy Spirit now dwells within me. The veil was torn because of what what Jesus did, and I have a direct line to God Almighty. That is the greatest blessing that you will ever receive. And so if we can start living life like, you know what? I might not have my money right. I might not have the dream job that I've always wanted. I might not have the spouse that I've been praying about. I might not have the health that I've been working so hard to attain. I might not have the things that I want in this life. And that's okay because this isn't my final destination. My body will re will receive glory, the same glory that Jesus received. I will receive. So my health and my body and all of those things will take place. I have riches that are stored up in heaven. All of my hope isn't in this world. I understand that this is what I see and this is easy to uh, allow it to consume you, but this is not our final destination. This is just a pit stop. This is just a dress rehearsal. Our focus and our eyes should be on heaven because that is where our blessings truly lie, right? So many of us are focused on living life here comfortably, but there's nowhere in scripture that says life is going to be comfortable here. It says that there's going to be storms, there's going to be tragedies, there's going to be issues, there's going to be war and famine and pestilence, disease, there's going to be hell on earth. That's what we can look forward to. Jesus suffered, therefore we must suffer too. We suffer while we're here on this earth. It's hard to sit back and watch people who are unsaved living their best life now, but we understand that it's not about living your best life now. My best life has not even, uh, it, it hasn't even begun. My best life is eternity in the presence of God. If we can just shift our mindset and perspective off of this little tiny dash before our born date and death date, this is not all she wrote. You are here. This is a layover, okay? This is a layover. We are here in this place. We each have an assignment and a mission, and there is a mission field that is around you. And if you would understand that you're only in this place because God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ, you will start to see life in a different light. You will stop longing and yearning and idolizing the things that this world deems important, right? For, for instance, one thing that most of you guys out there, and ooh, this is going to be a mic drop, but I'm not going to drop it. I'm going to hold on to it. Some of you are so focused on having a spouse or a partner, a marriage, that you're missing the assignment that God has you in right now, right? Let me say that again. We have, became, we, have, we have created idols out of relationship and, and having a spouse or having somebody to live this life with that we're missing the assignment, the purpose, and the mission that God has for you in the very place that you're at. You have created this spouse, uh, you've created this idol of, of, of needing or wanting somebody and you've put yourself in a position where you can barely move forward until you have that individual in your life. <clears throat> right? So we've created an idol out of relationship, but nowhere in scripture does it say that you're promised a spouse or promised an individual. In fact, we'll get to it. Paul says it's better for you to be single, to be honest. It's better because now you have more money, time, and energy. You don't got to check in with anybody. God can really use you as a single individual. You don't got no kids. You don't got no responsibilities. You don't got no child support payments, right? When 
if I'm being honest, when you get married and have kids, that's low key baggage, right? And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I, but as far as completing the mission and the assignment of what you were placed here to do, Paul says, if you can't handle sexual temptation, then it's probably good for you to get married. If you've got a burning in your loins and you just can't stay focused, right? It's almost like you're a crazed madman with sexual activity. You have no self-control or discipline. It's probably good that you get married because we don't want you living in sin. But if you can handle that, then, then, then we want you to remain single because now you're more readily available. You don't have soccer games that you got to take kids to. I can put you in the missions field and you can go out there and make an impact. You can really be on fire for the Lord because you've got no attachments. You know what I mean? But what, what we've done is we've sold out and we've bought the American dream, right? The, the Cinderella story, that that's what we need. We all need a Prince Charming. Right? I need to go and I need to kiss the, the sleeping princess and wake her up. Don't kiss people who are asleep, by the way. That's super rapey. We don't do that. Um, but 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 that's fairy tale that's been sold to us by the Disney Corporation that we all need to grow up and we need to find our Prince Charming or our Cinderella and then we grow old and we have all these kids and we just live life uh, happily ever after. That's so far from what we are here for. We have all created, many of us have created an idol out of relationship. Do you understand that? We've made it what it was never supposed to be. Amen? Yeah, don't kiss people while they're asleep. I wasn't trying to be funny. That's real stuff. The stuff that they subliminally inject into some of these kids like this is that's a whole rabbit hole that you can get into of conspiracy and how disney movies are indoctrinating children with these super weird subliminal messaging through cartoons and we sit our kids down there with a little bag of popcorn and we have them watch these things and from a very young age they're subliminally messaging children on what life should be like, what the way that things should operate. And from a very young age, we think that it's harmless, but we're really indoctrinating children with, uh, with, with a subliminal message that is in direct opposition of the word of God, right? I'm not going to go there. That's a whole rabbit hole. You guys can get really weird and conspiracy theory on that stuff, but it's real. Like wake up. It really is real. Um, but moving forward, right? Let's jump back to the scripture, right? It's programming. It's programming, you guys. So it's, it's it, you know, I wasn't trying to be funny. Like those are real things where people are catching themselves in a lot of trouble because this is the way that they grew up and these are the things that they were fed from a very young age and it becomes their reality. It becomes their heart cry. It becomes uh, a part of who they are and they believe that that is true success because that's what they've been programmed and fed from a very young age. We, of all of us, I mean, I grew up in the the 80s and 90s, a latchkey kid, right? The, the television basically raised me. Me. That's why I thought the things that I was doing in the way that I was living life, I thought that was normal. I thought that that was, that was okay. Uh, because, and nobody was there to tell me any different. I was a perfect example of being raised by the television and by, by media and entertainment and movies and music. I didn't have a father figure. My mom and dad were off doing drugs. So I basically raised myself and picked up on the social cues from the environment that I was consistently consuming. And that was television, entertainment, TV, and music right? I want to be programmed by the Holy Spirit. Amen. So listen, uh, moving forward in Romans chapter 10, we got to jump over to Psalms here shortly. It says this, and this is what I'm going to stop on. Okay. Cause we're all over the place today. I love it. It says before people can ask the Lord for help, they must believe in him. And before they can believe in him, they must hear about him. And for them to hear about the Lord, someone must tell them, and before someone can go and tell them, that person must be sent. It's written, how beautiful is the person who comes to bring the good news? How beautiful are the, the feet that spread the gospel? How beautiful. I'm here to tell you guys, as followers of Jesus, you have been sent. That's the mission. You guys understand that, right? Je Jesus didn't just save you so that you can wear a cute little cross necklace and put a link in your bio or a, a, a scripture in your bio so that you can just tell people, well, I'm a Christian, right? And there's nothing wrong with a little cross necklace and you're having a, a verse in your bio. That's not a knock on anybody, but that's not the only reason that you were saved, 
right? God saved us, each and every one of us. He chose us and set us aside. And once he did that, you are now responsible and you have the privilege, the honor actually, to tell other people about the transformational love of Jesus Christ. It says, so faith comes from hearing the good news and people hear the good news when someone tells them about Christ, right? So this is a commission, this is an encouragement that you weren't just saved to be a cute little trophy and set on a shelf. God wants to use you. You have a unique set of experiences. You have a unique set of, of, of things that you've gone through that is unique to you but is extremely relatable to other people. I believe that God allows certain things to happen in our lives so that we can go out into the world and we can now share those experiences. Revelations 12, 11 says that by the blood of the lamb and the power of their testimony, they overcome he who is in this world. So we go out and we share the blood of Jesus, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. We share the gospel. And then we share what Jesus did for us in our life and what he's carried us through. And people get saved. And that's the mission. The place that you're at right now is your missions field. There are people, friends, family members, acquaintances. There's even people who you don't like who need the gospel. And they're in your life right now for you to shed the love, light, and transformational power of Jesus Christ. You don't have to agree with me, but that's the mission. That's the purpose. That's the plan. Amen? My brother got on last night, and uh, not my real blood brother. I, I just say my brother. He got on and he shared a testimony last night in our men's group. And he said this. He said that he was going for a run. He's running through the park, and um, he's just like this guy who kind of looked like he was out of it, came by, and again, I'm butchering the story, and he asked if he could use his phone, and at first, he was just like, no, like, I'm not going to let somebody, some random stranger use my phone, right? It was better that it was him than me, because I would have said, no way, you're not putting your fingers on my phone, I don't know you, and I would have kept running, but praise God for this guy for being sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he felt this nudging or this leading, so he dials the number, makes the phone call, whatever. He gets to talking to the guy. He lets him know that he's a Christian. The guy sounds like he's super suicidal. They end up getting on their knees in the middle of this park and he's praying for this guy until the cops finally get there. And while the cops are there, the guy's praying and he's, you know, he's, he's, he's there. They, they apprehend him and they take him off to wherever. But the point is this, is that God put him in a specific place with a, a specific set of experience. And in this place, he was able to minister to this individual and could have potentially stopped him from taking his own life. Had nobody stopped and maybe dealt with him and prayed with him and, and, and kept him in this place until the proper authority could get to this place, he could have harmed himself. And it's just like, and his testimony was like, because we're in this men's group and, you know, we're, we're constantly hearing the gospel, he's becoming more aware of situations where God's putting him in, where he needs to be stepping out in faith. Now, ladies, I'm not saying stop for any random guy in the park while you're running. Probably not a good idea to hand him over your phone. But he was using discernment, right? And he was listening to the leading and the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And God was putting him in, putting him in a place where he can be used to spread the gospel and potentially save a life. That is life. That is living. That is the assignment. In the place that you're at, as you are walking and navigating through your day-to-day -day, uh, obligations, we need to be like heat-seeking missiles with our, our eyes wide open, our ears wide open, and our hearts softened, looking for ways and, and different places for us to spread the light, love, and, and transformational message and gospel of Jesus Christ. And it doesn't mean that you have to be super spiritual and you have to just be standing there like, hey, brother. Let me pray for it. It doesn't have to be like that. You don't have to be somebody that you're not. God has you exactly where he needs you and wants you. And you are the exact kind of person that needs to be in that place. So he uses the talents, the gifts, and, and your personality, your characteristics, who you are in that place. Because there's people who will be drawn to the light and love of Jesus that dwells inside of you. Hallelujah. Whoo. If you guys want to join my men's group, go to the uh, the link in my bio. Y'all got to do some research. You got to get in there and uh, there's a Royal City tab for my church. And on there, it says men's group. You go in, you sign up and we'll let you in. Amen. The last part of Psalms. So today we're reading Psalms uh, or Psalm. I'm going to pin the first one that's in there. It's 33 through 64. Psalm, 30, Psalm 119, 33 through 64. I'll be brief. 
Amen. Glory to God. Anybody, somebody, everybody. Psalm 119. I'm just going to sit here awkwardly until I see it. 119, 33 through 64. There it is. Bada bing. Bada boom. I love it. Thank you. So this is what, uh, again, we're breaking Psalm 119 up into little chunks of, I don't know, 30, 40 verses or so. Uh, I'm not going to bite off more than we can chew. But uh, a couple of things. Verse 33 says this. I love this. It says, teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes. Give me understanding. I believe that this should be a part of our prayer every single time. We need to be praying. God, teach me. I want to learn. God, I understand. He understands that you're going to make mistakes. You're going to say things that you probably shouldn't. You're going to do things that you might not be able, like you probably shouldn't do. Um, you're going to put yourself in situations that uh, you're vulnerable. You're going to fall into temptation. This is a part of what we talk about on a daily, uh, on a regular basis is I'm going to live life and I'm going to live through the spirit. If I make a mistake, I need to be reflective. I'm asking God, God, teach me from that. Yeah, that was real stupid of me. I probably shouldn't have said kissing someone while they're asleep is rapey, right? Um, I regretted that immediately. And so I'm going to repent. I'm going to say, guys, sorry. That might have been funny in the moment, but uh, that actually could activate some trauma in some individuals hearing uh, me talking about that. And so I repent. And so right there, there's an opportunity for me to grow from my mistakes and failures. Sometimes I say things without thinking. And this is how we need to be. Lord, teach me. God help me. I remember I, I did something that was I thought was funny a couple of weeks ago where I did the boohoo. Somebody reached out to me and said that it it was it was triggering, that it sucked, that it, it didn't feel good, and they felt attacked. And um, it was an opportunity for me to repent and to grow and to learn. And so my prayer is constantly teach me. God, teach me. I I need to learn, right? I'm not above reproach. And and sometimes the things that I do and say and the way that I behave and act can be offensive. Right. In some cases, people need to toughen up, but then sometimes I really need to be more soft. Do you think that Jesus would be like, hey, you need to toughen up? No, he would be empathetic and he would be loving and he would, uh, you know, he, he would accept the correction. And that's my heart posture. So when I read this, I see uh, this scripture that reminds me my prayer needs to be I need to be teachable. I don't have everything figured out. I don't have the the all of the answers. I am a guy in a Jeep who loves Jesus. And, and, and we're all on the same level. And I think that if we allow pride to get into our lives and into a place where we are uh, unteachable, where we're not able to be um, corrected, where we're not able to allow people to speak into what's going on, right? Everybody has a place and, and, and there's a process to that. And you don't just listen to everybody, right? I'm not going to just listen to some dude off the street who's going to come and try to correct me. I have men in my life appointed, men who I've brought in, who have my ear, who have uh, a level of respect in my eyes. And if they are to bring something to me, I listen. I'm just like, Ooh, really? Okay. I repent. I need to do better. Lord, teach me. God, teach me. I need help, right? I, I need help. And in verse 34, it says, give me understanding and I shall keep thy law, right? I want him to teach me and I want a deeper level of understanding. I want to understand why did I say something like that? Why do I do stuff like that? Why am I, why is there a prevalence for me to look at things that I shouldn't? God, why help me with this understanding? I want to understand and learn from my ways. And then when I learn, when you teach me and I understand, I want to safeguard myself and I want to set things up in place so that I don't continue to make that mistake. There's nothing worse than getting into this cycle of making the same mistake over and over, it's boneheaded, right? That means that you're not learning. That means that you lack understanding. That means that you lack wisdom. That means that you're not asking to be taught from the failures and the mistakes. I believe God will allow us to do some things that are sometimes boneheaded or, or stupid in order to teach us, but we have to be teachable. We need to be reflecting. One of the brothers shared last night that he writes stuff down and he'll be writing some of the things down and he'll be praying over them 
and asking God, hey, this is where I've, I really struggled in this area. What are some things that I can do to safeguard myself so that I don't go down this road? I know that if I go down this road, it might not lead to sin immediately, but it might lead to sin down the road, maybe a couple hours, maybe a couple days from now. So if I can recognize these patterns that I get myself into, behavioral patterns, thought patterns, emotional patterns, there's these things that, that happen in order of operation. If I can figure out the operation of how things start to happen, I can start to pinpoint and and identify those things early enough to where I can squash them so it doesn't lead me down a road. This takes reflection. This takes prayer. This takes the prayer. God, teach me. Help me to understand how I operate. And so now, as you have a deeper understanding of how you operate, you can start to pinpoint these things. And, and when they start to head in a certain direction, you can stop them before you get there right? This is the life of a Christian. This is sanctification. This is reflection. This is, is having a deeper understanding and a better knowledge of how you operate. This is wisdom. A couple of things in verse 41, it says, uh, according to your word, right? Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation, according to your word. <coughs> Excuse me. Again. <coughs> He says, according to your word, this reminded me that we need to know his word so that we can hold God accountable for his promises, right? There's over, there's hundreds of promises that God makes to us, right? Many of us don't even know what they are. And so if, if you don't know what God's promises are, how can you hold tight to them? Right? I have hope, I have faith and trust in my God because I have an understanding of what he's promised me. And I know that God's not like a man. He cannot lie. He will not make a mistake. He's not going to fail me. If he promises to do something for us in our lives, those are promises that I'm going to hold on to. Right? It says that if you ask, he will give according to his will exceedingly and abundantly. So that's a promise. So I understand that, okay, God wants me to have wisdom. He wants me to have knowledge. He wants to teach me. He wants me to have understanding. So I can hold tight to the promise that, you know what? If I ask for wisdom, knowledge, understanding, discernment, and, and to grow and learn from my failures and mistakes, God promises that he will do that. So I hold tight to that. So if I do make a mistake, I can take this mistake to the foot of the throne and I can stand on the promise and say, God, according to your word, right? I'm a reminder you. I know you didn't forget, but according to your word, you say that this is what you're going to do. And I'm going to stand on that promise and I'm going to ask just like an annoying little son because you promised. And God's not like a man where he's going to back up and go, well, I had my fingers crossed behind my back. That's not how it works. He's a man of his word. But it reminded me that if you don't know his promises, if you don't know his word, how can you stand on something that you don't know? That's building your house on the sand. You're, you're, you're on the, you don't know. Well, I heard somebody say this. Well, I watched this sermon and somebody said this. Well, I seen this meme and it said this. Uh-uh, that don't cut it. You guys need to start getting into your own scripture and highlighting. I want your guys' thing to look like this, right? This is, these are highlighted verses. Some of these are promises. These are things that God is speaking to me. And I will go back and I'll be like, uh-uh. It says that uh, uh, if I seek you with my whole heart, that you're going to hold me up, right? It says, uh-uh. It says this. It says this. Oh, no. I'm going to stand on this truth. Hmm. In verse 49, he says, remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou has caused me to hope. That's it right there. He's reminding like, God, remember your word that, that my hope is in. Remember the promises that you gave to me, right? Remember the word unto thy servant upon which thou has caused me to hope. My hope is in you, my Lord. My hope is in your word. I'm standing on your promises. Remember your word. Do you remember what, what you wrote? Do I believe that this is the word of God. Do you remember? Because I remember. I'm not going to forget. I know that you're not going to forget, but this is my hope, Lord. I'm standing on your truth. Please answer me according to your truth. Come on, man. In verse 52, or verse 50, it says, This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy, for thy word hath quickened me. There's two things. This will be, this will be it. Listen, this will be it. In verse 50 and 52, This is my comfort in my affliction, 
You guys, how many of y'all are afflicted? Everybody, everybody raises their hand. You guys are all afflicted in some way, shape, or form. It just varies by degree. We're all going through something. Some of it might be really heavy. Some of it might be, ah, it's pretty low level. I'm gonna get through this. It's not a big deal. But there's something. There's some kind of affliction. Here, it says, this is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. The word of God is my source of comfort. This is my comfort. I stand on his promises. I stand on the word. When you are feeling sad and down and discouraged and frustrated, angry, whatever, when afflictions are rising up, this is where we run. We don't run to drugs. We don't run to alcohol. We don't run to sex. We don't run to relationships. We don't run to the temporary comforts that this world has to offer. This is where we run. This is where we will find our comfort in our affliction. This is the word of God. And this right here is a reminder. In verse 52, it says, I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. Okay, so we stand on the word. We hold on to his promise. And then it says, I remember the judgments of old. So there's been times in my life that God has gotten me through. I'm going to remember that. I'm not going to forget that, that one time or, or that, that, that hundredth time when I called on God and he got me through. That time that I thought that everything was over. My back was against the wall. The ceiling was coming down. I was carrying a back full of, of rocks. The weight of the world was on my shoulders. I thought that I wasn't going to make it. And God came through. He redeemed me. He rescued me. It wasn't the way that I would have done it. Like, Lord, I would have done it like this, but he came through anyway. I remind myself of all of the past times that God has come through and rescued me and saved me and carried me through. And every miracle, every miraculous thing that has ever happened, right? The fact that I'm saved is a miracle. I remind myself. That's where I find my comfort. I find my comfort in affliction through the word. And then I sit there and I remember of all of the times that, that God has come through in the past. And it says, and have comforted myself. I am comforted in all of the times that God has come through, shown up, shown out, and has not left me hanging. So I run to the word and I run to the memories of all of the past times that he has shown up and been who he said that he is. Amen. Verse 58, it says, be merciful unto me according to your word. And that's the last thing I promise. That's it for Psalm 119 verses 33 through 64. There's so much meat and potatoes, uh, you know, according to your word. Again, if you're never going to hear me get away from the fact that we need to be in our Bibles learning and understanding the word of God. Um, what we do here is great, but uh, I'll tell you this, this isn't the only time that I read my word. And if this is for you, that's awesome. Like, I love that for you. And I believe that in time, there will be a hunger that rises up and you will want to know more. You'll want to go deeper. Um, and I'm okay with you guys running ahead or running back. If you want to re-watch Matthew, if you want to go back through the gospel as we're going through Romans, if you want to add to it, that's fine. My goal is that we're going to get all the way through the entire Bible, um, chapter by chapter. But, uh, you know, having a better understanding of the word, it, the promises, it gives us an anchor. It gives us a foundation. It gives us a rock to, a rock to stand on, but you're never going to hear me get away from, eh, you guys just take, take some time off. You don't really need to read your Bible this week. Like what? The, the, the devil don't stop. He roams around like a roaring lion, man. He don't take a Sabbath day when it comes to reading his Bible. Uh, and I'm not saying don't take a, a rest day, take a rest day. But for me, I don't want to rest from reading the Bible because it's not a burden, because it's not something that is like a, a heavy weight, right? R reading the Bible for me is, uh, it's, it's a, it's a pleasure. It's a treat. It's a privilege. So I'm not going, Oh man, I'm so tired. I'm just not going to read my Bible today. No, that's that opportunity that the enemy's waiting for. When you feel so tired or so beat down that you believe that reading your word is a burden and it's not an absolute privilege. That's when he's like, Ooh, they're in a good spot. Now watch me come in. Now watch me look like that roaring lion looking to still kill and destroy. He's going to come in like no other. He's going to swoop in. I'm not reading my Bible because works get me saved. I'm not doing it to find more favor with God. I'm not doing it to make sure that my salvation is locked intact. No, I'm doing it because that's how I know God. 
I, I want to know him. It's my heart's desire. It's my passion. I'm not reading my Bible as this checklist of things that I have to do in order to find favor so that he'll just smile on me. I know who I am. He smiles on me on good days and bad. He's given me salvation. He's given me everything that I need. I read my Bible because it's a treat, because it fills me. It's my living water. It's my bread. It's my daily bread. It's what fills me and prepares me for what the world is going to send my way. And, and we know from experience that this world is trying to crush you. Amen? What Bible do I read? All of them. All of them. <laughs> All of them. Uh, right here in this car, I've got a King James version, and then I've got an NCV version. Upstairs, I got an NIV and a new King James version. Uh, I, yeah, I cross-literate and translate and read all versions, ESV, uh, I even, I, I look, I don't suggest or really highly encourage the passion or the message, but I even look at them from time to time just to see what they say and how close it is. But um, God speaks to me through all translations. But uh, yeah, I'm not one of those people. If it's not King James, brother, then you're not really hearing from God. That's not, uh, God got a hold of me through an NIV back in the day. And so, um, but I, I, I read all of them, a little of them all all of them. Amen. Let's pray. Let's get up out of here. Man, these things are getting longer and longer. Lord, help me and help you. You guys are so patient. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, there we go. Anyway, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for today. Uh, we're so grateful. Uh, we're honored and uh, we just appreciate you. We appreciate your love, your mercy, and your grace. Uh, we're thankful for you meeting us here in this place, that you would be so generous with your word, that you would be so generous with uh, salvation. God, we understand that the greatest blessing that we have is the divine revelation of your son, Jesus. And so as we go about our day, we ask that you would help us to just embody what it is to be filled with love and truth, that you would help us to be the light of this world, that as people would come into contact with us, that they would know you better, that they would know you deeper. Uh, we pray that the light in us is the light of this world and that it is uh, making a difference, God, that every smile, every nod, every hug, every handshake, every prayer, every you know time that we reach out via text or email, that people would feel the love of your son, Jesus. That we lift up our prayer requests for, uh, and then just ask, honestly, that your will would be done. That's what we want, God, your will to be done. So if it's not from you, we pray that you shut it down. If it's not a door that's opened by you, we pray that you would close it, God. We want nothing more than to walk in the plan and purpose that you have for our lives. So we are so thankful, so grateful, and so just honored that you would call us your children. And uh, we pray all of this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. <coughs> Glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Um, I appreciate you guys showing up and, and showing out today. Uh, I, I really do. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of different, uh, a lot of you guys are suggesting different Bibles. Um, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. I love it. And KJV, I love it. I love it. I love it. That's good. Somebody said, Henry said it should be two hours. Nah. <laughs> Two hours every day. That's crazy. Anyway, I love you guys. Hope you have an amazing rest of your day. I got to drink this coffee and get to the gym. I will see you guys all back here tomorrow morning, 5.30 a.m. Coming at you from Inglewood, California. You guys have a great day and uh, we'll see you later.